Nothing like it had ever happened in Jerusalem. Men and women poured out of an upper room, down the steps and into the street. They were ecstatic, faces glowing with joy, words of praise to God tumbled from their stammering lips. They were noisy, too, noisy enough to draw a crowd of pilgrims who had traveled to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost from all across the known world. As these festival-goers gathered, they were amazed to find these Galilean Jews who were known for having very little formal education, let alone very little foreign language skills. They had never heard of Rosetta Stone or Duolingo. But they were all speaking in the languages of all of these men and women from around the world. Men from the island of Crete, Arabians from the desert, Parthians from Asia, Medes from the far northern mountains, and travelers from as far away as Rome all heard Galileans proclaiming the wonderful works of God in a multitude of languages, including their own. They were amazed. The gathered crowd turned to one another and asked, What does this mean? As often happens when the supernatural is made manifest to men and women, many people were quick to mock it. Many people were quick to dismiss it. Some said, Ah, they're just drunk. They're full of new wine. It's amazing some of the ludicrous explanations people come up with to avoid facing what is true. How many people do you know can speak a fluent foreign language and speak the wonderful works of God, a language they've never learned before, only when they get drunk? Probably not very many. But Peter, that brawny, fiery fisherman, he wasn't about to let their false assumption stand. He stood up with the other apostles and he declared, they're not drunk. It's only the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, guys. This is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. This initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit has empowered the disciples and has drawn their first crowd. Now it was time for Peter to preach. He stepped to the edge of the upper room balcony and he felt the Spirit of God stir within him. His mind flooded with Old Testament prophecy and words Jesus himself had spoken over the past three and a half years. And Peter opened his mouth and began to preach as he looked out across his audience of thousands and he began his message by saying, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to my words. And we're going to hear those words right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I'm so glad to have you back. Welcome. My name is LJ Harry. I am your host, and this is the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. It's a companion to the lesson guide, a companion to the small groups guide, a companion to the Sunday school or the midweek classes, small groups who walk along through this God's Word for Life I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, and today's episode stems from a lesson on May 29th, 2022. It's entitled, The Power of the Holy Ghost, and we have several lesson texts, Joel 2, Acts 1, Acts 2, Ephesians 5, but our focus is going to be in Ephesians 5, where Paul wrote, and be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Peter did not say they weren't drunk. He just said they're not drunk with wine. and They're drunk on another influence, these brand new newborn Christians. Now, this was not some strange occurrence, Peter assured the crowd. It was a biblical prophetic precedent. 
Peter preached, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel is known as the prophet of Pentecost because he foretold these very events, these very days in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. So Peter was telling the devout Jews gathered in Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost, prophecy is being fulfilled right before your very eyes and ears. Those who have traveled from across the world to bring their first fruits to the temple for the Feast of Pentecost. We're seeing the first fruits of God's new harvest of souls brought into God's newborn church. And before that day was through, 3,000 more would join that joyful harvest celebration. When the Holy Spirit arrived, it surprised these Jewish pilgrims. But on the other hand, the disciples had been waiting for it for about 10 days. After Jesus rose from the grave and spent 40 days with them, Jesus ascended to heaven, but just before he ascended, he gave them a command not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, Acts 1 verse 4. Jesus didn't tell him exactly when the Spirit would come. He simply said, not many days from now, Acts 1 verse 5. We just finished out the school year, but if you ask any student somewhere in March or early April, and they'll tell you it's still forever, but really it's not many days from now. Maybe this was a test from God to see who really wanted the Spirit. Who would be willing to stay, obey, and wait for the Spirit of God as long as it took to receive His Spirit? Jesus gave this command to wait and watch to nearly 500 disciples, but only 120 of them were still staying, still watching, still waiting in that upper room when the Holy Spirit fell. Here's a question for you. Why do you think so many of those who heard Jesus tell them to wait were not actually there waiting when the Spirit finally came. Think about the math. Jesus spoke to 500. Only 120 were there. That's 380. That's three quarters of the group Jesus told to wait who did not. So what do you think they ran off to rather than wait for the Spirit of God? Just as the prophet Joel, the prophet Ezekiel, and others had prophesied the Spirit was being poured out, Jesus had promised the promise of the Father had come on the believers. And now Peter wanted everybody within earshot to know that this promise was not just for an exclusive few. Peter reached deep into his figurative pocket and pulled out the keys Jesus gave him, unlocked the door to the kingdom of heaven, and flung it wide open. This Holy Spirit was a treasure too precious to be hoarded by only a few. He told the people assembled there, this promise is unto you and your children and all all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts 2 verse 39. Thank God for that promise. And those words of Peter still echo down through the centuries to us, all that are afar off. It didn't just mean those physically distant from Jerusalem. It meant those separated from that day of Pentecost by time and space. The promise of the Spirit, it's for you, it's for me today. God has not withdrawn this most incredible, wonderful of all gifts. God didn't love Peter and John any more than he loves us today. All those who seek him in faith will receive his spirit. Simply pray it, come Holy Spirit, and expect God will respond, and he will. If God gave this wonderful promise of the Holy Ghost to the apostles and disciples in the early church, he will give his spirit to you today. It was no coincidence this first spirit outpouring happened when the day of Pentecost was fully come. The Feast of Pentecost was also known as the Feast of Ingathering. It was a harvest celebration. It was also called the Day of First Fruits because on that day the people of Israel were called to bring their offerings of first fruits to the temple. 
Whenever they harvested their fields, if they harvested a hundred bushels of wheat, they were to bring the first ten bushels to the temple as a way of thanking God for their harvest and as a way of telling God they trust him to do more with the 90% they have left over than the 100% they hoard to themselves. The celebration centered around a Sabbath rest day, a holy gathering or convocation. The prophet Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years earlier. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue, will God speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. And yet they would not hear. Isaiah 28 verses 11 through 12. By saying they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, the Bible shows that the Holy Ghost is no respecter of persons. God did not just fill Peter, James, and John because they were God's all-star, five-star, blue-chip, first-round draft pick recruits. He is willing to fill anyone who is hungry for his spirit. He didn't just fill the apostles because they were close to Jesus. He filled everyone who was hungry for his spirit. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. Everyone who had the faith to obey Jesus by waiting, watching, praying, they were all filled with the glorious gift of God's Holy Spirit. I'm so glad because I'm not Simon Peter. I'm not James. I'm not John. I'm LJ. But I'm hungry for God, and he has filled me with his spirit. Although Peter began preaching by pointing to Old Testament prophecies with foretold the outpouring of the spirit, It's interesting to note that his preaching was quickly returned to focusing on the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken, and by wicked hands you crucified, and you slew him. But God raised him up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Acts 2, verses 22 to 24. You killed him, but God raised him up, because not even the grave is great enough to hold him. Why do you think, in the midst of such an amazing supernatural outpouring of the Spirit, Peter refocused the listener's attention on the gospel, on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus? Peter's audience responded instantly. They were convicted, spurred to action, but they didn't know what to do. We've just crucified the Lord. What do we do? What's the appropriate response to realizing Jesus died and rose from the grave and that each of them were personally guilty of sin? So they ask a question each of us must ask in our own lives before salvation ever comes to our lives. What do we do? Acts 2, verse 37. No excuses, no deflection, no procrastination, no justification. No, well, you know, he wouldn't have done that if the whole crowd hadn't been screaming for his crucifixion. I didn't want, I didn't want him to die. I just, just everybody else was yelling for it, so I figured I should too. None of that. Theirs was an honest, direct question as a response to conviction. So how did Peter respond? What could they do, if they could do anything, to be right with God after what they had done to him? And Peter said, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, these were devout Jews. They'd been taught all their lives the intricate, costly trespass offerings required to blot out all their guilt. So maybe they're expecting more of the same. Peter's going to write down a list of animals they need to sacrifice and how they should use the blood and how they should burn the meat and how the grain or the oil offerings were to join in with that sacrifice to make it all right. Or maybe they would have to find a scapegoat and release that scapegoat in the wilderness by passing their sins onto the goat or a weeks-long ritual of cleansing. Or maybe they'd have to wash their body, wash their clothes, shave their head. The priest would have to inspect them or make sure they were finally clean after the heinous sin they have just committed. And Peter said, no, no, you don't have to do that anymore. Jesus has fulfilled all of that. Those were all types and shadows pointing to Jesus. He has already done the hard work of salvation. You just need to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now here's a question that's very relevant in our day. Can you think of other religions that lay out a very difficult path to salvation? A path that requires us to do everything just right, always, or else we have to pay the price for our salvation. God's Spirit is for everyone. God's Spirit is for anyone, no matter your heritage, ethnic background, social status, how good or bad of a person you might think you are, whatever faith tradition you grew up in, the Holy Spirit is for all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The very fact you're listening to this podcast means God is calling you to Him. And if you've never received His Spirit, He's calling you to receive his Holy Spirit today. I was praying with a young lady in the altar yesterday. And right there, as she repented of her sins and poured out her soul to God, God filled her with his Holy Spirit. It was beautiful, transformational. And maybe you've already received the Spirit. God wants to refill you with his Spirit. If you have already received his Spirit, what is your story? What is your testimony of what God has done for you? Jesus promised they would receive power after the Holy Spirit came upon them and be witnesses unto him. And he laid out where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. The Spirit is not just given so we would feel good, feel better. When she received the Holy Spirit yesterday, she told me, she said, it felt like light flooded through her. Praise God for that feeling and that infilling and that experience. But the Spirit is for more than just making us feel better The Spirit gives us power to be witnesses. We don't have to be afraid to share our story, especially His story with others. We proclaim it, we preach it, we share it, we testify about it. We tweet it, we post it, we sing about it, we write a song, then we sing about it. We write about it. We proclaim the truth in love. Let Jesus speak through you as His Spirit brings to your remembrance the scriptures, the preaching, the teaching you've heard, the episodes you've heard, the podcasts you've heard. Don't worry about having all the right things to say. Spirit of God will continue to teach you and guide you as you continue to learn and listen and walk in Him and walk in His Word and in His ways. And God will give you the courage to step out in faith and rely on the power and the Spirit of God. Can you think of a time when God's Spirit empowered you to be an overcomer or to be a witness? Now let's head back to our our verse. Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now think about somebody who is drinking all the time. How often do they seek another drink? 
probably more than once a week, definitely more than once a month, and of course more than once a year. Some would tell you as often as they can, as soon as possible. It's very rare for someone who's drunk to push back and say, ah, you know, I've had enough, I'm good. This kind of excess leads to a false illusion that they'll be happy and they'll be well and they'll finally get what they've been looking for, but ultimately it ends up in tragedy and destruction, broken homes, broken lives, lost jobs. But by contrast, if as Christians we have that same constant thirst and desire and longing for the Spirit, it will not lead to side effects or hangovers or broken homes or broken lives or lost jobs. Actually, it leads to true righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The people who heard the disciples speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost, they thought they were under the influence of alcohol. They weren't. They were under the influence of the Spirit of God. These were not spirits in a bottle. This was the Spirit of God. The devil offers drunkenness as a cheap substitute, but it will never do what the Spirit of God can do. Somebody intoxicated might stagger back and forth under the influence, but a believer will walk with God wisely down a very straight and narrow path when he or she is under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Everything God creates is in complete opposition to anything the devil and the world have to offer, and it is incomparably brighter and better. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. I want to share one more story with you. This was from Nathan Mackey. Nathan told the story, when I was in university, I spent two years walking the streets of downtown Ottawa every Tuesday to hand out sandwiches and socks to the homeless and to the panhandlers. About 80% of those people were suffering from some form of substance abuse, especially alcohol. As we went out month after month, I noticed a strange pattern. Early in the month, the people we helped would have liquor bottles close to hand and the smell was strong. But toward the end of the month, they'd have bottles of Listerine and their breath would be fresh with mouthwash. I asked my team leader about it. What's going on here? And he explained that early in the month they had money from the government, checks, and they could afford to buy alcohol. But by the end of the month, they were out of money. So they bought the cheaper substitute, the alternative, Listerine. They literally drank bottles of Listerine just to stave off the withdrawals until the next check arrived. It had just enough alcohol content. (laughs) Think about that the next time you gargle. What a tragic picture of the false substitute the devil pawns off on people and the destruction it brings. My own family suffered the devastation of alcohol addiction. Several family members died of cirrhosis of the liver or accidental death due to intoxication. But thank God for a faithful couple from a small Pentecostal church in Winnipeg, Canada, who drove half an hour across town every Sunday to pick up a little girl from the wrong side of the tracks and take her to Sunday school. Being just a child, someday she would sleep in and wouldn't go out when they honked the horn. So they turned around and drove half an hour back to the church, and the next Sunday morning they were right back waiting outside her house again. No blame, no pointed fingers, just a constant love of God flowing from the Spirit of God. That little girl one day was filled with the Holy Spirit in that little Winnipeg church, and she went on to finish high school, the first in her family to do so. Then she went on to college, Bible college, and that's where she met my dad, and the rest is history. That little Sunday school child, of course, you probably already guessed it, that was my mom. I am the first-hand beneficiary of people who chose not to be drunk with wine or anything else the devil has to offer, but to be filled with the Spirit. And that was Nathan Mackey's story. 
And I want to say thank you to Nathan for the courage and being willing to share his story and testimony to bless all of us. What about you? Maybe you're struggling with alcohol. Will you make the same decision today? Not thirsty for another drink, but thirsty for the Spirit of God. And God can and will deliver you from alcohol, from drug addiction. Are you thirsty for something real? Will you reach out and drink deeply of the Spirit of God? Only the years will show the lasting impact that wonderful and wise decision will bring in blessing your life. I want to pray for all of those listening who have never received the Holy Ghost before. I want to pray that today, while you listen to this episode, God would fill you with His Spirit, just like He filled my friend Emily yesterday in the altar here in Mount Vernon, Ohio. I want to pray God would fill you with His Spirit, and if you've already been filled, that God would refill you, and then also fill you with such a courage and faith to share your story and about His story with others, and use you to be a witness for Him to them. In the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for filling Emily with the Holy Ghost yesterday. God, I pray you would fill every hungry heart listening to this episode, everyone who wants the Holy Ghost, never been filled with the Holy Ghost before. God, I pray fill every one of them with your spirit today. As they listen, Lord, I pray, draw us to a place of repentance where we can get our hearts right with you, where you can clean out all the wickedness and evil in our hearts, and you can fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus, fill those with your Spirit who have never been filled with your Spirit before. Do it for them as you did it for those on the day of Pentecost, I pray. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Continue to refill us and use us for your glory, God. Those who have already been filled, continue to refill and refresh and renew us. And God, I pray you would send us out into our world to be witnesses for you to them. And use us, Lord, in a mighty way, all for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in, God's Word for Life listeners. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost and have no idea what it means to be full of the Spirit of God, it's when God will live inside of you. And as we search the Scriptures, and we look especially in the book of Acts, the way you know you've been filled with the Spirit is you begin to speak with other tongues or just other languages to glorify and magnify God. It's not something you can learn how to do on your own. It is something only God can do and will do through you. So as you continue to pray, just be listening for the Spirit of God to keep reaching for you and drawing you and allow Him to fill you with His precious Holy Spirit. Hey, be sure to click subscribe and share so you can never miss an episode. And others you love, they won't have to miss an episode and they can continue to grow in their faith as you continue to grow in yours. Speaking of growing in your faith, be sure to head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll pick up a lot of great resources, Bibles, Bible studies, music, books, devotionals, resource books, all kinds of wonderful resources to help you grow in your faith and help you share your faith with others. Next week, we begin a brand new series. In fact, we begin a brand new season. We're going to begin the summer of 2022. And our summer season kicks off with a Pentecost Sunday special episode called Handwriting on the Heart. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. 
where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.